ready? All right. I hope by the end of it, the rest of y'all wake up, all right? Jonah chapter number one in verse number one. God's been good to us, and uh, I think God's worthy of our attention this morning for just a little bit, and I'm only going to preach for about an hour and a half, and I think God's worthy of that, and so I hope that you'll give him that time this morning. Jonah chapter number one in verse number one is where we're going to read from in just a moment, and as you find your place there, you know, the last two years have really changed our perspective on a lot of things, haven't they? Uh, I mean, the last two years, seeing the pandemic, as we've seen inflation and everything else that has gone on, uh, every, our perspective on a lot of things have changed in different areas. One area that our perspective has changed is the cost. You know, one thing that we do more now than we used to do uh, is we consider the cost of things before. We used to go to McDonald's and we would eat, and both of us would eat off of the dollar menu, and now... Uh, one of us eats off the dollar menu and the other one shares. I mean, when we consider the price of things and we think everything is much more expensive today than it used to be. I, I remember hearing my parents speak and I remember hearing my grandma and grandpa talk about how cheap things used to be back in the day uh, and what they were compared to today and as they consider that, and well, they would talk about huge differences in the price of things. And, and what's crazy is we can look back just two years ago and we can see a huge difference in the price of some things as well. And, and I know this morning I could get you real fired up if I kept going that direction, but I'm not going to. Uh, but but I, what I want you to see is we consider the cost a lot more today than what we used to. We When we get ready to do something or we get ready to go somewhere, oftentimes we ask ourselves the question, well, well, what is that going to cost? And, and how much is it going to be? And is what we want to do really worth the cost that it is going to, to take to be able to do those things? And so there are many things today that we don't do that we used to do because it costs so much more to do those things now. But I would submit to you this morning that there is a cost of, of something that it seems that even in this day, we still disregard and we still don't consider. And that is the cost this morning of not following the Lord in our life. There is a great price to pay for not following Jesus Christ in our life. There is a great cost that you and I will pay when we disobey the Lord and we do not live the way that He would have us to live. We sing those songs, Here am I, send me. We sing those songs, I will go wherever it is. And, and all of those songs are wonderful. They're great songs. But I wonder this morning, how often do we mean the words to those songs that we sing? How often do we mean when we say, I will follow you anywhere and everywhere that you lead me. Lord, you could call me to the worst place that I could possibly think about. And Lord, I would go if you called me. That's an easy statement to make. But it is a big thing to do when God gets ready to do that. But know this, that there is a cost to pay when you choose to not follow the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. There is a price that you will personally pay in some way. This story that we're going to read that you are very familiar with, I'm sure it should only encourage us to consider the cost. And let me just say this before I read the message or the, the text that I want to read to you this morning is that if God 
is here and I believe that God is in this place and if God's in this place and you're in this place and God's Word is open and praises have been given to the Lord that God in some way is going to speak to you and I and when God speaks, you and I are responsible for making a decision. You say, well preacher, I didn't come to church today to make a decision but you will in some way because every time that God speaks to our heart, we choose whether or not we're going to follow that and whether or not we're going to listen to Him. And I would simply advise you to do this as you make that decision. Consider the cost and consider the consequences. Consider the price that one might have to pay. In chapter 1 of verse number 1, I want you to see three things this morning. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof. And he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Consider the call that Jonah received. I don't know about you, but I like the way that the Bible says it, that the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. And when I read that phrase, I can't help but just think about how personal God is and how precise God is. Jonah didn't have what we have today, but God spoke to Jonah in a very clear, in a very precise, and in a very personal way. When God got ready to give Jonah the message, then God gave Jonah the message directly to him. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad this morning that the God we serve is still a personal God. And I'm glad that God is not some creator that sits off in the far distance and has nothing to do with His creation, but He dwells among us and He lives with us and He meets with us and He's promised that when we get together, it's more than just a show and it's more than just a religion and it's more than just formality. But Jesus said, when you get together in My name, He said, there am I in the midst of you. And I'm glad that God makes a promise and that He carries through with that promise to meet with us in this place and to talk with us and to share things with us and to give us a call in a personal way. I would say this morning that God's still on the throne in heaven and God hadn't been removed from that position and God is still speaking to His people. And the problem that we have today isn't that God has quit speaking, it's that we have turned a deaf ear to God. You say, I don't ever hear God speak anymore, and I don't ever hear God tell me anything anymore, and I don't know what God, if God's even talking. I assure you today that God's still there, and God's still speaking, and God's still talking, but the majority of God's people have turned a deaf ear to the Lord, and we're not interested in what God has to say, and we don't really care about the input of God, and we've already made up our mind, I'm going to do it my way, and it really doesn't matter what anybody else says about it, and therefore we have blocked out God, and we have pushed God to the side, but if you don't get anything, get this, the God of heaven that spoke the world into existence and the God of heaven that spoke and calmed the storm and the God of heaven that said Lazarus come forth and he walked out of that grave and the God of heaven said your servant is healed and he was healed all by his voice this morning he has a message for you and he wants to speak to you in the same way and he's talking to us this morning in a personal way because he is a person God. He is not some
some God that we just try to serve with religious activity, but He is a God that we have a relationship with. And not only does He live on the inside, but I'm thankful that God's given us a perfect Word that we have that's a living Word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and it is able to do that which no other book is able to do. It is inspired. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It's preserved all the way back to the first book that was written. It still carries the same weight and the same power that it did back then. It still has today. And God speaks to us through that Word And just like God spoke to Jonah and God called Jonah, God is calling you and I today as well in a personal way. He has something that I believe in all, with all my heart this morning that the God of heaven has a specific, He has an individual, He has a, a plan that He has put together for every individual that has ever been born again and washed in the blood of Jesus. It is not that God saved you and then just said go figure it out, but God saved you with a plan and God saved you with a purpose. There's not one redeemed person here today that doesn't have a heaven ordained purpose on their life that God has put together and what God is doing today is God has met with us in this place so God could work on our heart and God could call us to do something and God could give us a task and God could give us an assignment and God could give us orders but the decision to follow is all on us. It is our choice to make. Consider the details concerning the call that God gave to Jonah. In verse number 2, I like this little word. He said, arise. Now I don't know what was going on in Jonah's life. I don't know where Jonah was at. I know that he was a prophet and I know who his dad was. But I don't know everything that has transpired up to this event, uh, this up to this point in Jonah's life. But something had gone on, and Jonah was somewhere, and something was happening. And when God spoke to Jonah, here's the first thing that He told him to do. He said, "Jonah, I need you to stand up. All right, I need you to arise. I need you to get up. I need you to resume the position of active duty for the Lord Jesus Christ and get in the service." of the Lord. And if there's something that God is calling us to do today, I believe it is this, that God's people would stand up for God again, and that God's people would arise up for God again, and that God's people that have taken the back seat, and we've just let the work of God fall by the wayside, that we would stand up, and we would resume the position of active duty, and say, Lord, here am I, send me, Lord, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to do what you've called me to do. We live in a world today, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but we live in a world today that needs people of God that will stand up for God today. I can't help but think about David when David showed up out there when his brothers in the Israelite army were facing the Philistines and the Philistine giant was making a mockery of God and David asked this question. He said, is there not of calls. Everybody else was running from the giant. Everybody else was backing up from the giant. And David said, there's got to be somebody that will stand up and face this giant. 
because he's defying the armies of the living God. And can I say this morning, the devil is defying the church of the living God today. And he is disregarding the very word of the living God today. And he is doing everything he can to disrupt, to destroy, and to cause doubt, and to cause all sorts of problems in what God is doing. And so many of us are sitting by. I know I do sometimes sit by on the sideline and God calls out when we get together and He said, hey, it's time to stand up, alright? It's time to arise. It's time to sit, to quit watching it all happen and say, God, I want to do something and I want to get in the game, God, and I want to be part of the service and we need that today more than we need anything else. It's just for God's people to get excited about standing up for God again and say, Lord, I want to be Yours and I want to live for You. You see it all the time, but we live in a world today where the devil is doing his best to steal the minds of young people, of older people. Anybody that's got a mind left, he's looking to steal it in some way, alright? He's looking to pervert it. He's looking to, to take it away. He's looking to rip it from what God is trying to do. I mean, when you look around at the world today, and you see the damage that is being done in our society, and you see the influence that social media has, you, you look and you see what the influence mainly is about. And while I'm thankful for the good influence that some people put on there, it's sad to say there's more bad influence than there is good influence on there. That platform and everything else that there is in this world, the devil has his place. While God's people might have a little bit, the devil's got a big spot and he's doing all that he can to take people and to get them away from God and to make them think that God's the enemy and make them think that church is the enemy and make them think the Word of God is wrong in some way. And so many of us were just sitting there and God's saying, listen, it's time to do something about that, alright? It's time to stand up in your families. It's time to stand up in church. It's time to make sure that we draw the line and we say this is right and I'm going to stand on this side of the line. And this is wrong and I'm not going to get on that side of the line. Listen, I'm not saying that we ought to go down to the courthouse and protest and run in it and do all that. But in my home, as a dad in my home, I ought to stand up and say that this is going to be a home that is a God-honoring home. And this is going to be a home that fears God and lives for God and serves God and has standards and has convictions and wants to live holy and righteous and as a child of God that goes to church I ought to stand up and say hey this church is going to belong to Him and we're going to do His work and we're going to stay faithful to His Word and we're going to keep busy doing what He's called us to do and we're not going to let the world or the devil keep us from doing those things. It is time that we resume position of active duty for the Lord Jesus Christ. That we arise and we just say, Lord, I'm all Yours and I'm available. Lord, I'm, I want to do that. God said, Jonah, stand up, arise. And here's what He told him. He said, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to cry against it. It's a great wicked city. He said they're, they're, they're full of idolatry. they got all of these other things that are going on. And here was Jonah's instructions. To, here's God's instructions to Jonah. I want you to go tell them about the judgment that's coming. I want you to go and cry against it that because their wickedness has come up before me, that judgment will come upon them, but that there is a way for them to get right. There is a way that they can avoid the judgment that is going to come. 
And can I say that our responsibility and the instructions that God has given to you and I are not that much different than that which He gave to Jonah. Go and tell people, alright? Go and warn people. We are living in a world today that is wicked as well. We're living in a world today just as Nineveh was in that day that was defying God and disregarding God that was awaiting the coming judgment of God on that city. And while I don't know if the coming of judgment of God will ever come on the country that we live in. I do know this. There is a coming judgment that every person will go through and that every person will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and they will answer for their life and the books will be opened and they will be proven guilty. And if they do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior and their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, then Jesus will cast them into the lake of fire and for an eternal they will be there. And here is what God is calling us to do. Go and tell them. Go and let it be known that judgment is coming. That hell is coming. That the lake of fire awaits all of those that do not know Jesus Christ. But there is a better part of the message. Hell is a part of the message, isn't it? Sin is a part of the message. But I'm glad this morning that we have the greatest message and that is this. Jesus saves. He still saves like He always has saved. And God wanted Jonah to go over there and tell him, hey, judgment is coming, but forgiveness is available. And grace is available. And while your wickedness has come up before Me, My grace is available to forgive you and to spare you of the judgment that is coming. In the world that we are living in today, they are hearing from everybody about everything that is going on and it is time that they hear from the people of God that judgment is coming, but Jesus saves as well. That the Word of God is true, that hell is a reality, but so is heaven if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Hey, there's nobody on planet earth that has a greater message to tell than you and me today. We have heavenly authority to tell a heavenly message to a lost and dying world today. That is what God has called us to do. He has given us the instruction, stand up and go tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand up and share the message. Jesus made it plain and clear when He told them to preach the gospel to every creature. When He told them that you should be witnesses of Me in all of these places. When He said to go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Jesus made it as clear as it could possibly be. Here is your primary mission. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. His death, His burial, and His resurrection. That the work of redemption is complete and that Jesus can save anybody that would call on Him. That was the details of the call that God gave to Jonah to arise and to go preach to that city. But notice his disobedience. Verse number 3 is worded in such a sad way. It begins like this, But Jonah. Here's God speaking to Jonah in a very personal way, saying, Jonah, this is what I want you to do. And instead of Jonah saying, all right, I'm going to go, the Bible reads that Jonah did the opposite of that which God 
had called him to do and he disobeyed God and it says in verse number 3 that he rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He didn't just ignore God. He didn't just say no to God but Jonah went the opposite way of where God was calling him to go and he got out of the presence of God. He heard what God told him to do. He There was no debating that. He knew the instructions and he knew exactly what it was that God wanted him to do. But Jonah didn't want to do that. And you say, well, I don't understand why Jonah, why Jonah ran. Why Jonah wouldn't just do what God wanted him to do. Well, look at your life. And I'm sure you could probably come up with a pretty good reason uh, as to why Jonah did the same thing that you and I do on a daily basis as well. God gave him the instructions, but here's what Jonah was afraid of. As you go over to the end of chapter number 4, you know what Jonah thought about those Ninevites? Those, those guys were the enemy. And you know what Jonah didn't want to happen? Jonah didn't want God to forgive them. And Jonah didn't want them to get spared from judgment. And Jonah, to be completely honest, was kind of looking forward to them getting hit with God's judgment. And he was wanting them to die. And he was wanting them to suffer. And Jonah didn't want God's grace to be given to those people. And he wanted them to face the wrath of God that was coming. And here's what Jonah was doing. Jonah was putting himself in the place of God, trying to decide who was worthy and who wasn't worthy. And can I just say this morning, if you're going to make a list, of who's not worthy to get the grace of God, you ought to just go ahead and take out a pen and write your name at the very top of that list if you're going to write who isn't worthy because there's not one person in this room that is worthy of what God has given to us in any way at all. You say, well preacher, you don't know about that kind and about this kind and what they did and what they've done. I don't know about all those things but I know what I've done and I know who I am and God gave me grace and if God gave me grace, then who am I to withhold God's grace from somebody else? Who am I to put myself in a position where I get to decide who's worthy to get God's forgiveness and who isn't worthy? Jonah used that as his excuse to run from the presence of God. I don't know what your excuse is today, but I'm sure we've all got something. We've all got some reason why we're not going to do what God's called us to do. Maybe it doesn't make sense in our plan that we've put together. Maybe it goes against what we wanted to happen. Maybe it's going to put us in an uncomfortable position. I would just encourage you to do this. Consider the cost before you disobey God. Jonah got up and he ran. And he ran from the very presence of the Lord. And he went down to get away from God as fast and as far as he could. I've often wondered, especially when I was a kid and we would read this story, and the Bible says there that he fled unto Tarsus in this phrase, from the presence of the Lord. And you know, I thought, why, why didn't Jonah just say no? Why didn't Jonah just say no and just keep doing what he was doing? I mean, did he have to run all that way? Did he have to go all of that great distance? Couldn't he have just said no to God and just done and just kept on going about life until about, I don't know, about 10 years ago when God began to work on my heart about something and God began to move on my heart about something and what God was moving on my heart about was something that I didn't necessarily want to do and it was something that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with and it was something that I didn't really think I'd be good at and I told God no I don't think so and I put it off and you know what eventually I had to do to get away from that I had to quit praying and I had to quit reading my Bible and when I went to church when we did 
I would do my best to not listen because there was never a time that I could be in the presence of God without being convicted about what God was calling me to do. And what that shows us today, it reminds me of this. People can talk about the presence of God all day. I hear people say, well, I went to this church or I went to this place and man, the presence of God was just so real in that place. Can I say, if the presence of God isn't driving you and compelling you and convicting you to get right with the Lord, then you're probably not in the presence of God, alright? Because when sinners come into the presence of God, we say like like Isaiah did, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And we realize that we are a sinner, and then we say, Lord, here am I, send me. And that was the reason that Jonah had to get out of the presence of God, is because he could not withstand the calling and the drawing and the conviction of God anymore. And so he ran from God in the opposite way of that. And he did his best to get away from what God was calling him. To do. I know people today who refuse to come to church. They refuse to go to church and they're just not going to be part of it. And they come up with all sorts of different reasons as to why they're not going to come to church. As to why they don't want to be there. One in particular finally told me this. I talked to him. He said, you know the reason I don't like to go? He said, because every time I go, he said, I feel bad and I get convicted. And I just don't want to do that. I don't want to feel that way. And here's the problem. That person, while they're a wonderful person in many ways, has absolutely no interest in following the Lord in their life. And so they have ran from the presence of the Lord. And you say, wow, why would somebody do that? Well, again, let me say this. You've done that. And I've done that before. Because I've come to this place and been in this place. I've sat in those pews. I've sang those songs all the whole time while my heart was in a far off place somewhere else because I didn't like what God was doing and I didn't like what God was talking about. While we may still show up, there's a lot of us that still come to this place that are still running from the presence of God. And we're running from what God is doing. We're going through religion and we're doing and we think that's going to satisfy it. And we look at the person who won't show up at all and think, well, at least I'm still coming. Listen, if God's calling you to do something and you hadn't surrendered to it yet, and you hadn't you hadn't committed your life to it, and you hadn't said, God, I'm all in, and you're you're doing your best to avoid the conviction of God, I would encourage you to do this. Consider the cost. And consider what that's going to bring in your life. You may show up to this place every time the doors are open and yet still be just as far away from the Lord as anybody else. You know the story so well. The prodigal son runs off. He takes his riches and doesn't waste all of those things away. Goes into a far country, the Bible says. And that prodigal son, he returns and the father welcomes him back. Goes through all of that. The whole time, that older son never left, did he? That older son never quit doing his responsibilities. He never quit taking care of his business. But I would say from the way that that father talked to the older son, that his heart was just as far away from the, as the younger son was as well. And he never left the house. And he never left the place. There are many people today, there are many of us who have run from the presence of God because we don't like what God is doing in our life. I want you to do this. Consider the calls. Look at what it says there in verse number 3. He goes down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarsus and look at this. So he paid the fare thereof. And he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Notice the direction that it took him. It said that when he did this he went down to Joppa and he went down into the ship 
And when you run from the presence of the Lord, you know which direction you're going. You're going downhill, all right? When you leave God's presence and you say, I gotta get away from this and I gotta, I gotta leave here and I gotta, I gotta escape from whatever it is that God is calling me to do, your life is going in the wrong direction at that moment and it is only gonna get worse and worse and worse. There are so many people today. There are so many Christians today who are so sad. They're so mad. They're so bitter. They're just, they got so much anger. You know, sometimes they just want to go to church and I want to ask people sometimes Brother Ray, why are you so mad? You know, Why is everybody not happy? Why are we so mad? And a lot of times here's the reason is because we are in a place where the presence of the Lord is at and we're running from the presence of God and there's no way that a child of God that is running from the presence of God is going to be happy when he's forced to be in the presence of God. And Jonah when he left he went down and he went down and then he just kept on going down and if you're not where God wants you to be your life is going to be down and down and down and it's just going to keep going that way and you're going to look around and you're going to say well why is all of this happening and why am I this way and why are things going the way that they are maybe just maybe this morning that we're not where God wants us to be and life is going downhill not only do you see the direction that it took him but you also see the destruction that it brought we're not going to read all the scripture for sake of time this morning you're very familiar with it Jonah gets on that ship and you know what happens the Bible says that the Lord sent a storm Jonah gets on that ship and God sends a storm exactly to where he's at out there and it begins I mean the mariner they think it's going to break the boat they think it's going to get that they're, they're throwing stuff out they don't know what to do they're getting ready to tackle they're getting rid of everything else these are professionals and here's this storm that heaven sent storm that that God on his throne has sent this storm to this exact place to get the attention of Jonah and to wake Jonah up and to remind Jonah of what he's supposed to be doing but know this not only did it affect Jonah it affected everybody else around him and there are many people today they get to living in a certain way and they want to say well brother Kevin it's my life and I'm going to live how I want and it only affects me and it's only going to be well I you know it's only going to hurt me if it doesn't work out listen that's a lie this morning if you want to believe that because every decision that you make is going to impact somebody else in your life whether you're this old or whether you're this old it's going to impact those that are around you here were some innocent bystanders they had done nothing they were just minding their own business but their life was turned upside down because somebody else was running from God and you and I can turn other people's lives upside down that are connected to us when we run from God. A disaster came to Jonah. Here comes the storm. They decide the best thing to do. Jonah tells them they cast lots and Jonah says this, just throw me overboard. Throw me overboard and get rid of me. Now I don't, I don't know exactly where they were and what things might have been like and the, all the scenario playing around it. But I would, I would think this anyways from my little bit of experience about a boat. If the storm is bad enough that you think it's going to break a boat and you think jumping out's the best option, I don't think that you plan on making it back to shore, all right? I don't think that you plan on swimming back to shore. Here's a man who's come to the conclusion, I think I'd just rather die. I think right now than get back in the presence of God and obey God and do I just, just throw me overboard and whatever happens, happens and we'll go from there. And we look at that and we say, man, that's crazy. That's crazy talk that somebody would get to that place. I would, I would think anyways this morning... 
There's probably people in this room who have been at that place before in their life. Who have been, who have reached the place. I would rather just die because of how things are right now. Then instead of facing up, instead of accepting responsibility, instead of saying, you know what? I won't get right right now. We're going to be bullheaded and we're going to be stubborn and we're going to continue to fight against what God is doing in our life. Refusing to accept. Here, God sent this storm. Now I believe as you look at this, Jonah probably could have got right on that boat if Jonah wanted to. Jonah probably could have got right on that but that didn't work. Jonah didn't get right on that boat. Jonah jumped overboard. They threw Jonah overboard. And look at what it says in verse number 17 of chapter 1. All this happened, transpired. The boat they thought was breaking. They took Jonah, cast him over. Verse number 17 said, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You look and we say, well, I don't know if that can happen. You know, you don't believe. I don't know about you. I believe that happened just as real as I'm standing here today. Uh, that it was a literal event that really took place. That God had prepared this fish, this particular fish. And it swallowed up Jonah. And Jonah lived inside of that fish for three days uh, and three nights. That he was there in the belly of that fish. And God did that for this reason. Because Jonah was running from God. And God had a task for Jonah to accomplish. God had had a plan for Jonah to live out. God had something that He wanted Jonah to do. And while we would look at this and say, man, that is so harsh that God would send a fish to swallow up somebody. Can I say this morning that the very fact that God sent a fish to swallow up this man while he was in the middle of the ocean that he would have drowned in was actually an expression of God's mercy because he could. He could have just let Jonah die. And he could have just let that be the end of it. But God wasn't through with Jonah. And I would submit to you this morning that if you're going through something in your life and you're saying, I don't know why God has let this happen in my life, know this, that God has your best interest in mind through all of that. That God is doing this not to destroy you. He is doing this not to harm you. But God has allowed the fish to come up in your life so that God can help you and so that God can develop you and that God can get you to a place where you will finally obey Him. I'm thankful that God sent storms in my life when I was running from God. I'm thankful that God didn't just say, well, Levi, have it your way and never come back. But the whole time, God had a vested interest in my life and in who I was and in what He wanted me to do. And the whole time, God never left me alone in the middle of all of that. And just like Jonah, even though I was down in the deep sea of life and I was in the fish, in the belly of that fish, that God was still there with me. Look at what he says in chapter 2. We see the cost that Jonah had to pay. It was terrible. It was disgusting. It was miserable that he had to go through. But there in chapter 2 in verse number 1, Jonah prayed. Notice then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And look at this, he heard me. I'm glad that no matter where I go and no matter where I'm at, God can still hear me, aren't y'all? Y'all glad you can pray anywhere and anytime in the darkest and the deepest places in life and that the God of heaven still hears the prayers that you make even when you've run from God as far as you can run from God and as fast as you can get away from God that the God of heaven is still listening to you and I in those moments. Jonah said, I prayed from that 
place and in, up in that place he heard me when I offered those prayers. He said out of the belly of hell cried I and thou heardest my voice. He said that you cast me into this place. He talks about the willows, the billows, excuse me, and the waves and how he was cast out of his temple. But look at this in verse number 6. I went down to the bottom of the mountain. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, unto thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And then here's Jonah's commitment. But I, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah finally came to a place where he realized, now we understand he probably didn't have the best attitude in chapter number 3 and chapter number 4, but God got Jonah to a place where Jonah would finally acknowledge that I owe God everything. I owe God everything that I have. And I believe that sometimes God has to pull the rug out from under our feet and let us fall down on the rock bottom so that we finally realize that everything that I possibly can give, God deserves every bit of it and more than that. And Jonah realizes that and he begins to cry out to God in that moment. And I would encourage you this morning if God's trying to get your attention. Don't keep running. Start crying out to Him. Don't run from God. Don't hide from God. You can run as fast as you possibly can and you can go as far as you want to, but you will never be able to hide from the very presence of God. He's there. He'll always be there. And He's there to work on you. And Jonah realized that and Jonah cried out to God and he made that decision. And look at this in verse number 3. And the word, chapter number three, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad that we serve a God of second chances, aren't you? I'm glad that we serve a God who will watch us run from Him, who will watch us spit in His face who will watch us defy everything that He has ever stood for and that He does stand for. And then when we cry out to God, the very God that we ran from welcomes us to run back to Him. The very God that we disobeyed gives us an opportunity to obey again. The Word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying this, Arise and go unto Nineveh. Jonah, I'm going to give you one more opportunity to do what I've called you to do. You rebelled and you went the opposite way on me the first time, but here's the opportunity again to do it the second time, to do it right the second time. I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life where I didn't do things right the first time. I didn't do things right the first time and I messed up and I disobeyed and I made a huge mess of everything that I could possibly make a mess of. And you know what God did? Slowly but surely, God fixed that mess and God gave me an opportunity to do things right the second time. And if it weren't for the grace of God, not one person in this building would be here today saved, serving the Lord. If it wasn't for His mercy and His grace. Friend, we ought to praise God that He's given us those second chances. And if you're here this morning and you're running from God and God's called you to serve Him and God's called you to live for Him and God's given you a task or instructions or whatever it might be, I would encourage you to do this. Consider the cost. You're going to make a decision here today. 
Every single one of us. If you're here today and you're lost and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to make a decision whether or not you trust Him. You're going to make a decision whether or not you will call out to Jesus and put your faith in Him and be saved. And you say, well, preacher, I don't know if I'm going to do that today. Well, I'd consider the cost. Because if you choose to reject Jesus Christ as your Savior and you die in that condition, the Bible is clear that hell is your eternity. It is what you deserve and it is where you will lift up your eyes if you've rejected Jesus Christ as your Savior. Consider the cost. Is it really worth that? It, whatever it is that may be keeping you from being saved today, is it really worth going through all of that and experiencing that for all of eternity? You don't have to do that. You can be saved today. But if you're here this morning and you're saved and you're a child of God, and maybe God's saying, listen, I want you to do this or that or whatever it is that God's speaking to you in a personal way. Just know this. If you tell God no, there's going to be a cost that you're going to pay as well. And there will be consequences. And I would just encourage you to consider the cost. Is it worth it? Whatever it is that the world has to offer me, is it worth not following the Lord? Is it worth not following the Lord Jesus Christ to, to get all of those things? Because one day you're going to look back and I'm going to look back and the things that this world gave us, we're going to realize their value and we're going to realize their worth. And so many people have made that their life and not the God-given task that has been given to them. And it's not worth the cost. Refusing to serve Jesus is not worth the cost that you're going to have to pay. But if you refuse the world and you accept Jesus Christ and you serve Him, I want you to know the rewards are going to outweigh any possible suffering that you might ever go through in this life. Paul said, I reckon. Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us at that time. Hey, it may be hard from time to time, but just know this, glory is coming one day and it will be worth everything that we've ever gone through if we have trusted Jesus and served Him. Won't you make that decision this morning? I want to ask you to stand with me. We have a verse of invitation. Heavenly Father, thank You for this day. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the stories that You have recorded in it, Lord, that may be a help to us. I pray this morning as we consider this story of Jonah, Lord, that You would help us to consider the cost as we make decisions for You today. Whatever You might be calling and leading us to do, I pray that You would give us the courage to do it, Father, and that we would do it with all of our heart, Lord, so that You may be honored and glorified. We ask that You would convict the lost person today and draw them that they might be saved this morning. We love you. We thank you. We pray it all in Jesus' name.